0: what's up man this is max crosby former eastern michigan eagle and you're listening to the full 10 yards college podcast you already know the deal just win baby eyes peeled everyone it's time for the full 10 yards college football podcast to the full 10 yards college football podcast combine edition for today it's just me myself and I I'll be taking you through and talking about the NFL scouting combine I'm going to take you through the schedule the events what they mean and what you should be looking out for in each event and then towards the end I'm going to have a little bit of fun I'm going to give you my picks for each event and who I think will win and who I think will, will come out on top in that event so yeah that's it let's get into it <laughs> So, by the time the podcast is released, uh, and I'm recording on Monday morning, uh, but it'll be re- released on Tuesday, the Combine's already begun. Uh, players have started to arrive in Indianapolis on Sunday, uh, and they will continue to do so until Wednesday morning in quite a staggered fashion. Uh, so, today, on well, on Sunday, yesterday, uh, tight end quarterback and wide receiver groups arrived in Indy, and, it's, and they've now begun their process. Uh, kickers, other special teamers, punters, long snappers, etc. Offensive linemen and running backs are arriving today on the day recording Monday, uh, defensive linemen and linebackers are arriving on Tuesday Now essentially that's any defensive player that doesn't play in the defensive backfield Combine still uses defensive line and linebacker classifications Not interior defensive line, edge and off-ball linebacker Like you know a lot of people do now uh, Which is quite annoying uh, So that means you'll get players that are stand-up pass rushers in a 3-4 base Kind of mixed in with true strong side linebackers and other linebackers to play off-ball Which is kind of silly uh, on the flip side, obviously, you get handed in the defensive ends, uh, mixed with three, four, you know, quite large defensive ends who are considerably heavier and have different defensive responsibilities. So, for instance, uh, like Chase Young, for example, out of Ohio State, 6'5, 265 pounds, uh, and Richard Lawrence of LSU, who's 6'2 and 308, for example. <laughs> so, they're going to be in the same group, <clears throat> which is kind of silly. Uh, and it needs a stop, obviously. <laughs> Uh, These guys will be separated throughout the week, Um, you know, when they go through their positional drills and different guys will be asked to work out, do different things, but, you know, just call them edge defenders, just call them defensive linemen, you know, (laughs) it just makes it easier. Um, But yeah, anyway, that's my kind of little rant about that. Anyway, defensive backs arrive on Wednesday next after that and then the last group to arrive in Indianapolis. So what happens uh, once they get to the combine? So I'll take you through the schedule, the schedule looks like this, so just day one, and that's for everyone. Uh, when they first arrive, they just go through registration, orientation, have a few interviews with a few teams. You know, we've got a lot of teams to get through, so a lot of interviews throughout the whole process here. But, you know, day one's quite easy. You know, just register, orientate around Indy, get your room that you're going to stay in, and, and that's it, really. You know, maybe talk to a few people. Day two, so quite an important day. Uh, measurements, first of all. And this is important. You know, we know that schools lie about measurements all the time. So if a player hasn't been to an all-star game, and he you know hasn't been measured by someone impartial let's say this is the first time the NFL and and we as your fans and and analysts kind of get the true unbiased measurements this is really important this show's been who's lying first of all and who's been working out who's cut weight who's put on some weight since the season's finished and who's kind of been training for this event and training hard you know we've seen players in the past you know Jaqai Polite last year one that springs to mind he Obviously, didn't put in any work. He turned up out of shape for the combine, you know, and that's it's a really important part of the job interview for the NFL. And you know, I, I believe you know he, he was a third round pick, and I believe he was caught uh, by the Jets. I don't know if he's—I can't remember off the top of my head whether he's actually turned up for anyone else now. You know, and that's, that's sad. You know, you you've got to put in the work. Obviously, it's it's a big, big part of the job interview, like I say. And you know, some thresholds have got to be met for some guys. You know, trench players, thirty-three inch arms, for example. QB hand size—you know, nine and a half inches is preferable. You know, but some of that could be taken with a pinch of salt. We know that some guys have cut weight to be more fragile, more uh, fast, more agile, and you know, it's not maybe a true reflection of what they'll, they'll play at. But you know, we want to see some thresholds met. We want to see, um, you know, some ticks, some ticks in the boxes of, of players who are meeting these thresholds, and and those who don't have got some some sort of ground to make up right from the beginning, really. So after the measured. Uh, after that, they go over to the hospital, they take a physical, which is obviously another very, very important stage of the, the whole procedure for some players. You know, usually players who've been injured, this is where we get the first look at any lasting damage. You know, players who are recovering from injury, say Tua Tagovailoa, he obviously falls into this category. You know, we want to see lasting damage from that hit. We want to see if it's been, you know, if it's been a, a good recovery, if his rehab's going well. You know, this can be a real make or break for a player. If, and if they don't perform in Indy, you know, this is... You know, if they can't perform I an mean, injury, this is the only you know we're only looking for their pro day after that. You know, that's the only time that they get to show out for GMs and scouts. And if their injury isn't healing, you know, they're dropping down boards. You know, it's important. You know, if recovery isn't isn't going well, if rehab's not going well, it's it's again, it's time to be made up later on. You know, on the flip side, you know, if recovery is going well, and then you know, use two as the example. You know, all these medicals that have come out, his three month post op medical that he did a short time ago came out well. You know, and if that's the case, then happy days. The worst part of this section is when doctors find things, you know, internally, you know, heart defects, things like that, you know, just things that you just don't know and they just sort of creep up on you. You know, Maurice Hurst, a couple of years ago, the Raiders defensive lineman, he was one that was found a few years back and he dropped from first round contention to, I believe, the fifth round, if I remember correctly. You know he he he's a great player and he was he was right up there. He was potentially the best or one of the best interior defensive linemen in that draft. And complete completely unaware of this thing. Players are unaware of these things. You know they they don't they play their whole college career without any sort of you know symptoms or signs or anything like that of these conditions. And you know whilst overall health is more important than any sport, a player's career could end on this sort of diagnosis before it's even become, which is incredibly sad. You know this is a really exciting time for these players and something that they look forward to and they relish and, you know, it's a chance to put their name on the map or solidify their place, you know, in, in the, the upper echelons of people's draft boards and in the, the minds and hearts of these teams. So a really, really important aspect of the draft is the is the physicals and the, the medical examinations that take place at the hospital. Uh, after the hospital, there's more interviews, as always. Uh, I think every day includes at least some interviews. You know, and um, when this day ends, you know this. I guess they would have felt like being a bit of a farm animal, animal being measured up to take to the abattoir. Hopefully, you know, not a uh, not a metaphor for their NFL careers, of course. But um, it's it's a busy day the second day. You know, being really measured up and and going through all these tests. I'm sure it's not fun. You know, there's a lot of pressure on these young young guys, and it's stuff that they can't control at this point. Day three, day three is a bit bit more fun. You know, they get to have some fun with the media. They get their media interviews. Uh, you know, it's this is really actually an important aspect of the combine as well. You get to see a guy's personality. You get to see how confident they are, whether they've got a bit of swag, whether they, you know, shrink, whether they just, you know, how are they in front of a bunch of journalists? How are they taking awkward questions maybe? Are they wooden? Do they shine? Do they talk in cliches that their agents definitely taught them beforehand? Or are they keeping it real? You know what? How are they how are they how they do you know, you get to see some real stars, you get some real real good chats and good good personalities coming forward in this part of the draft. This is quite fun. so uh, it's always good to look at these afterwards. And it's it's good, to, you know, when you're evaluating players as well to see their personality is another real big part of their evaluation. After that, it's more medical tests again, you know. This is more with the team specific doctors, um, psychological tests, and then interviews again with positional coaches, so again more sort of rigorous rigorous exercises in uh, meeting the teams and being sort of drilled and and uh probed i guess for 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 what teams want to see you know we've all played face of the franchise on madden and things like that and we all know the odd questions that come out so yeah it's kind of that sort of thing but um yeah the team specific doctors i guess this is when the team's kind of looking at players you know everyone will be looking at Tua's hip again i'll use him as an example and uh, wanting to check that out, you know, see what it's like. That'll, that'll you know, shape their boards and shape how they, they're going to attack the draft, especially if you, you're potentially a team that's going to take him or a team that's going to be affected by someone taking him. Um, but that obviously happens for a lot of players as well, not just tour and not just players with big injuries. You know, everyone's wanting to check out players that they might want to, you know, have an eye on come uh, draft weekend. Day four. So day four starts off with the players' NFL players' association meeting. This will be kind of welcoming them to the union, getting some info about their rights and responsibilities as an NFL player, just general information, maybe getting to meet some of their peers and things like that and uh, welcoming them to the to the league because, you know, a lot of these players will make it into the league because they've been invited to the combine as uh, some of the best college college players uh, in the country. This, again, is followed by more interviews, more psychological testing. Testing This could be, you know, IQ questions, Wunderlich uh, testing, you know, all the odd all the questions that I mentioned before. After that, the players take part in the bench press. This is the first time they're actually on field. <laughs> of course, not everyone does this, uh, but I think a lot of players would be glad to be out of the interview room and doing some physical stuff on the on the field. And obviously, we'll talk about the bench later on when I'm going to talk about the events in more detail. Uh, the fifth day for everyone, yours. Know, so this is staggered. I think this starts on Wednesday and goes all the way through Sunday for you know the groupings that I've talked about earlier. This is on-field workout day, um, you know. So they'll be asked to do some specific drills uh, for different teams. You know, again, taking them side. Maybe a team sees this player as playing a different position, so they can, uh, you know, they can work out for a different position. They can obviously refuse. You know, we've got Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago being asked to do wide receiver drills, <laughs> kind of ridiculous now. Uh, but yeah, that exact thing can happen. And then obviously the main on-field workouts happen to, on the fifth day, which I'll obviously be going through in the next segment of the show. And day six, you know, back home. Flying out of Indy to wherever you're going back home or out to train, probably for a nice lie down, you know, and a rest before working out again for those pro days. You know, that's the next next uh, check mark in the box that's done, and then the next one is the pro days. And yeah, that you just be more training, more carrying on with your program, getting better each day, and having progress. Um, like I say, but probably probably lie down and rest after what would be a really really tough week in Indianapolis all <laughs> the whole way through. So yeah, that's the schedule, you know, pretty much, and it's an intense time. It's a really intense time mentally and both, you know, physically as well. These guys are in the middle of a training program, and uh, yeah, you know, they have been, like I said, just probed each day by every team, you know, in a physical and a mental sense. So yeah, really tough day, but obviously a great exercise for everyone involved, and um, really exciting for the fans. It's something I, I watch personally every year. I play place close attention to the guys that I like, and you know, look out for some winners and losers. Obviously, I'll be doing a podcast on that next week. So. I've got to do my research, get that in. Uh, but next up, I'm going to take you through to like the main segment of the show, and that's going to be the on-field stuff. So I'm going to look at day five in particular. So before I get into this little section, I will actually just signpost everyone towards where you know you can actually see all this. You can actually see all the action. So the coverage is on NFL Network from 4pm Eastern Time on Thursday till Saturday each day. And then on two p.m. Eastern time on Sunday, that's really for the defensive backs. So in the UK, we're currently five hours ahead of Eastern time, USA time. So that'd be nine p.m. So you know you can put the kids to bed, you can settle down, you can go to the gym, you can get settled, and you know you can settle down for a couple of hours before bed. I'll stay up each day, and you know from nine o'clock and stay up and tune into all these uh, the underwear Olympics as they call it. You know to tune into all the events and see who performs and who doesn't. So like I said just before we gave way to another break there uh, let's take you through each event and why it's important who it's for so start off the event that needs no introduction at all the 40 yard dash obviously just a measure of pure speed and explosiveness important to note that times are measured in 10 20 and 40 yard splits uh the 10 yard split i think is the most interesting and most important aspect of this event uh testing how quickly you can go from naught to top speed uh, and of course for linemen both sides you barely ever run 40 yards in a straight line. Yeah, a lot of players barely run 40 yards in a straight line, you know, only maybe running backs or wide receivers when they've broken into the open field. So the 10-yard the split is, is really important because we're seeing that initial explosion here. Um, but, you know, it, it's fun and kind of inspiring just to see guys run really fast. And obviously it's like the marquee event, like I say, of the of the whole kind of event. And you're looking for people to to really hit those low 4-2, potentially even lower this year, perhaps. And I'll go into that a little bit later. Uh, Times and you know, just not even just the the really, really fast guys, it's nice to see big guys run and and get under those five seconds, you know, and look really agile. But more of that later on, you know, the 440 record is 4.22 seconds set by John Ross about three years ago, I think it was. Anything below 4.4, and you're in the 85th percentile and above, and you seriously quit for a wide receiver, and you know, that is what the sort of benchmark of, you know, you're, you're, you're a fast guy if you're getting below 4.4 seconds. And if you're doing that, you're in the 83rd percentile of corners as well. And obviously, obviously those two are the kind of fastest groups that we look at. However, uh, one linebacker who can hang with those guys is Shaquem Griffin, obviously the Seahawks linebacker who holds the linebacker record at 4.38 seconds, which is freak of nature stuff, at 2. uh, 227 pounds. Uh, in weight, which puts him in the ninety eight percentile for defensive backs, so you know Shaquin Griffin can have to hang with anyone. Um, you know, and according to mock draftable, which is where I'm getting all my stats for this little section, I uh, include you know for the percentiles that puts Griffin in the eighty-nine percentile for corners. So he's faster than most corners when he's playing at much bigger weight and, and as a linebacker as well. So, you know, that's really really big when you're looking for that sort of speed. Uh, I don't know if we have a linebacker that quick. Uh, Akeem Davis gaither from app state very very good linebacker very quick linebacker obviously um probably not gonna break that record though but it was someone who's kind of one to watch and same for obviously isaiah simmons as well who's obviously an athletic freak of nature as well uh looking at the big guys now so the guys over 300 pounds if you break five seconds and you're really really quick uh brian o'neill there's been a lot of uh, there's been a lot of like big tackles that have, have done really well recently and then shot the draft boards brian o'neill's one of them uh, coming out of Pittsburgh, uh, played for the Vikings now, he ran 4.82 a few years back, which was one of the fastest ever times for a tackle. Andre Dillard last last, uh, last year vaulted himself right into the first round contention uh, with a 4.96. Uh, and big guys, you know, put their names out there with these 40s, you know, it's one of those things where you're not expecting some guys to run, but Colton Miller's is another example of this. He is a complete freak of nature, you know, he did well in the jumps as well, but you know, so it wasn't just the 40 that made him a first-round selection. But, you know, we're talking maybe about guys who've been maybe overdrafted and have struggled in the league playing the tackle position. So maybe it's one of those things to kind of watch out for, um, you know, for maybe one of those overdrafted tackles that we, that we could see, uh, you know, this year as well, just like these guys. But, you know, we'll see. So I guess that's for this week to sort out. Uh, you know, who does it matter to? Well, anyone, you know, who we know who isn't fast as well. Um, so, if you're a player that isn't quick and he proves that he's not quick, then that shouldn't really change your overall, overall evaluation. You know, if you're expecting like a big wide receiver, say, um, Van Jefferson, let's say, you know, he's not the quickest wide receiver, he's a very good route runner, uh, not the quickest wide receiver, but if he runs slow, then, like I say, it shouldn't really change how you see Van Jefferson. You know, he's, he's a good player, he's a good wide receiver, and he wins in different ways other than speed. You know, he wins with his route running and his craftiness. Conversely, If a player like Henry Ruggs runs 4-3 or below, I think he'll go below that. But it's what we expect him to run, you know, and that shouldn't change your evaluation of him. Everyone knows he's ridiculously quick already, you know. You shouldn't be vaulting Henry Ruggs up your board based on his combine if you already thought he was fast. So just like a little tip there for anyone who's kind of looking at evaluating and sort of looking into these things and, you know, maybe do mock drafts for fun or articles and things like that so yeah just kind of bear that in mind you only only it only should affect your evaluation if you see something that you don't already know and you haven't seen on tape so yeah moving on so if the 40 is the pure speed test then the bench press as i mentioned earlier is the pure strength test they push 225 pounds which is you know around 100 kilos uh, if and then you just do as many reps as you can um, simple as that, really. Uh, the the record is 51 repetitions, uh, which was set in 1999 by Eastern Washington defensive tackle Justin Ernest. He's the only guy to ever go over 50. So, you know, it's rarefied here, is <laughs> that we're talking about there. However, uh, Tampa Bay Books and ex-Washington defensive tackle Vita Vea, about three years ago, put 41 reps, which puts him in the 98th percentile. Of all players who've ever done this event, so that gives you an idea of how Herculean it was to go over, or even towards fifty. Um, so yeah, this is just your pure pure strength test. You're looking at your linemen, your trench players, and you know the, the smaller guys have a go at this as well, you know, but they're not going to put up anything towards forty or fifty reps at all. You know, they're looking at maybe ten to twenty. Um, but you know, it's it's just a good measure of strength. I mean, a lot of give a lot of guys give this uh, give it a swerve really. So what helps being good at the bench press? Obviously, masses of strength, (laughs) great determination, but also shorter arms. Shorter arms helps. Shorter arms means that the bar has to travel a shorter distance. And then obviously, if you're going 40 plus reps or, you know, towards that, stamina comes into it as well. But really, this really just shows the event. This is the event that shows that people have been in the weight room for the last few years and how regularly they've been doing their weights and been taking care of their bodies, really. So yeah, no, another really interesting event for the bigger guys. Next up, we move on to the jumps. So I'll go for the vertical jump first. Uh, It's a measure of, again, just pure vertical explosiveness. Now, I've heard people say this is a useless event because in football, no one does a static vertical jump, which is true, I guess. However, the event, it helps people and players and teams build their athleticism profile and their explosiveness profile. You know, explosivity and how explosive a player is, how fast they get from zero to top speed or just perform quick, powerful movements, that definitely matters in the game of football. So this is certainly not, in my eyes at least, a useless event. It's important for those pass catchers, pass defenders, of course. We're seeing how high they can potentially vertically separate from each other. But it's well also most, it's also important for those trench guys as well. Having lower body explosiveness is really important when it comes to leg driving and generally just overpowering the guy opposite you. You know, at the top end, anything over 40 inches is insane. <laughs> you know, that's from big hops. Uh, 43 inches puts you in really, really rarefied air again. Um, Example of what a reasonable score could be is maybe that 38.5. That'll put you in the 80th percentile for corners and 85th percentile for uh, receivers and safeties. And for you bigger guys out there, Ed Oliver, obviously another athletic freak that we saw, a smaller defensive tackle at that, but still 287 pounds when he jumped this. But he jumped 36 inches a couple of years back, and that put him in the 90th percentile for defensive linemen. And then just one more, got to give a shout out to a Charger obviously on the podcast. Last year Trey Pipkins of the Chargers left tackle, jumped 33.5 inches at £309, which for Frenzy's tackles puts him in the 95th percentile. So this is kind of like your your top end guys, but obviously your bigger guys, your linemen, uh, your trench players, your tight ends, not too much in the way of this event. You know, we're looking for these weeks to jump out, but if you don't jump well in this, it's one of those things where we're not expecting people to jump well, as I said earlier. So it shouldn't really affect anyone's evaluation. You're looking for those light, those twitchy corners and receivers, and those ex-basketball players as well, you know, tight ends and uh you know linemen as well. There's a few excellent basketball player linemen in there, so that's who we're kind of looking for to perform well and jump well in this in this event, the vertical jump. Not really mattering too much to tight ends, you know. They're gonna to need to win the occasional jump ball, maybe over the middle, maybe in the red zone, but overall you want them to have reasonable lower body power to help block. But if they perform fine, then they'll generally be fine. You know, Moving on now to the broad jump, this is another test of lower body power. Standing jump and jump as far forward as possible, really. You know, guys who did the long jump, who did track and field usually do well here. Some sort of, you know, it's the same sort of measure as the vert, lower body power and explosiveness. Byron Jones of the Cowboys, the Cowboys corner coming out of UConn a few years ago. He's the current record holder at 12 foot 3 inches, which is kind of insane. And that smash, Jamie Collins, the Patriots linebacker, Smashed his record of eleven foot seven, which was you know equally insane, but that's you know it's a good half a foot uh, difference. You know that's a real, real freakish performance by Byron Jones. And even just to watch it back now, as I was watching it back yesterday, uh, it's incredible. You know it's kind of awe inspiring when you think about it. If you're six foot tall, which is not an uncommon height for a man, that person could lie down and have a friend of the same height lie down with the bottom of his feet touching the top of his head and Byron Jones could jump over both of those people, which is <laughs> ridiculous, especially considering it's a, a standing start. So, yeah, no, definitely watch out for that. It's another event when you can see some crazy performances. So then we move on to the agility tests. These are the ones where you're running, changing direction, three-in-cone drill, obviously fa- made famous by DK Metcalf last year, proving uh, that some <laughs> that for some players you know, who only move in linear motions so receivers a work off like a vertical stem, So, you know, you go routes, post routes, corner routes, fade, curl, come back, stop and go, smoke, things like that. You know, I mean, not all of them are only one movement, but, you know, they're mainly off the vertical stem. Players like Metcalf, players like Megatron, Calvin Johnson, players like Mike Evans, interior offensive and defensive linemen. This event doesn't really matter too much, you know, because they're not going to perform movements where they're moving laterally too much. You know, having lateral quickness for a zone blocking guard or centre is important, but if you're a power scheme team, I wouldn't be too concerned about this event for your interior lineman. Uh, events that matter more or less depending on how you're going to use the player. You know, if you're not going to move him laterally too much then, and you're going to draft that guy or you want to draft that guy, then you, know, you should maybe look elsewhere. Um it's one of those things as well where again, if you're expecting someone to not have great agility or you're not needing them to do great agility work on the field, then you know just it doesn't really matter. It shouldn't affect your evaluation. And then lastly, for the main drills is the shuttle drill. Um, this is another lateral quickness test and a sh- short, air explosive in test. Player starts in a three-point stance, goes five yards to the left, ten yards to the right, then five yards back to the center. Same rules apply, really. You know, it just builds into that agility profile. Um, of the player along with the three cone and also the specific uh, position drills that everyone will do. You know, we're looking for those running backs, we're looking for those smaller receivers or those slot guys, or those guys who just run a fuller route tree, you know, those guys who are moving laterally, you know, doing vertical and then going in breaking or out breaking or different, you know, different routes, you know, they're going across the field, they're moving laterally, having to break off with separation made by their movement and their route running. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for good footwork. We're looking for no wasted steps. We're looking for quick hips, looking for oily hips, as all the scouts say. He a big scout in term. We're looking for DBs, we're looking for edge defenders as well. Uh, you know, they want to change direction and get past the tackles and things like that. We're looking for linebackers. We're looking for linebackers who drop into coverage as well and often pride themselves on their coverage ability. So that's who we're looking for to perform there. And then obviously you've got your main drills, then obviously you've got positional drills as well that everyone takes part in. I'm not going to go into too much detail of all them because quite frankly I've been here a long time. You know, you've got your movement drills, your catching drills, route running drills, all sorts of drills that you play. in, you know, quarterbacks are throwing if they're taking part in that. And obviously you've got the coaches on tonight evaluating all of this and taking it all in. So that takes you through the kind of main drills and the, who you should look out for, what we're looking out for. Uh, there's a couple of new new events that are out there. One that's particularly interesting is the, the figure of eight drill for edge defenders. And this is sort of looking for that bend. You know, we're looking for that bend, looking how low we can get. We're thinking about Von Miller here. How he turns the corner, how he bends those ankles and gets really low to turn the corner and gets the quarterback. So that's a really interesting drill that we're looking out for in positional drills, but that's just one to look out for you for you guys. So the next bit, that's that segment over with. We're gonna make my picks. We're gonna get into my picks for this event. So let's get into it then. Let's let's go, let's make our predictions. So we're just going in the same kind of order that I'd went to before. So, 40-yard 40, 40 dash. I know it's the obvious choice, but at the end of the day, he's so explosive and so damn fast. I've got to go Henry Ruggs for this one, the Alabama wide receiver. I honestly think he could go sub two. I reckon he could break John, John Ross's record from the other year, and I reckon we could see the first officially timed 4.2 or below 40-yard um, dash. Now, this has been done before, but it was very unofficially timed. Bo Jackson coming out of Auburn a long time ago, apparently ran 4.19, but that was unofficially timed on a stopwatch, and that was not done electronically. You know, So people get jumpy on stopwatches. So this is the first official time that I think we could go sub-4-2, and that could be Henry Ruggs. Next up, so bench. So I'm going to go for the West Virginia tackle, Colton McKivitt. Um, He's a strong left tackle who I think will go on day three. I think he ticks the boxes that I'm looking for. He looks quite strong on tape. I think he will play a right tackle, incidentally, in in the NFL if he does indeed make a roster. Um, but I think he ticks the box in terms of having short arms, so I'm gonna, you know, I think I'm gonna look to him to be my bench king and be making that one for me. So yeah, West Virginia tackle Colton McKivitt for my bench. Uh, I'm not gonna make a prediction on sort of how many reps he's gonna get, but I think he'll he'll push forty, uh, around forty, let's say. But nothing more specific than that from myself. So broad jump, now we're getting to the jump. So um, I'm going to go for Texas Christian University TCU wide receiver Jalen Riga. Now Riga jumped a 26-foot long jump in high school, like a regional track and field meet in Texas when he was in high school, like I say. Uh, and then to win the, the state title, he, he jumped about 24-foot. Now this is apparently when he only dabbled in the long jump, which is kind of scary. Obviously it's a long, long time ago. You know, it's a few years ago. And obviously the broad jump is different because it's a static jump, whereas these um, high school jumps were long jumps. That's with obviously a big run-up. And Riga's going to be heavier now, but you know that lower body power is certainly there. And I can see that on tape that he's got this athleticism to do that. So I'm going to pick him for the broad jump. I don't think he'll go towards Byron Jones's record, but I think he'll be good. And I'm also going to go for Riga again for the vert. And that's, again, just because he's... He's got this history of jumping, he's got this explosivity, and I just can't argue with those jumps, you know, that, that, that history is there, I can't ignore that. Uh, Henry Ruggs is another one for the vert as well, uh, and I don't want to make this really sane if I mention the same players over and over again, um, but yeah, Henry Ruggs, uh, if you can see, if you can go on YouTube and get his basketball highlights, uh, he's got some hops, I can tell you. Uh, and if you want to throw in a different name in there, maybe I'll go for CJ Henderson, the corner out of Florida, and yeah, I think he's got the athleticism to maybe go quite big on the vert, and he's obviously quite t- a bit taller as well than these two guys that I've just been mentioning. So uh so yeah, no, I think he's got a chance to kinda of go big, get up there. And uh again, I don't think that these guys are gonna break any records, but I think they're gonna be up there and do do really well in these events. Let's move on to the agilities. Now we're moving away from and from from the bigger guys now and going towards the smaller guys. Got that agility, not having to like That low center of gravity is what you want, and that's what this guy has got for my three-cone champion, my prospective three-cone champion at that. He's 5'9", super snappy, super speedy. Uh, It's KJ Hamler, the wide receiver out of Penn State. I think he's got good agility, and I think he should post a good three-time. Like I say, he's got that low center of gravity. He's he's light, and he's going to be looking to put in a show. Uh, I've seen a few people uh, looking at him in the first round. I think he'll go in the second uh, but you know, a good combine would definitely maybe push him up into that first round contention for sure. There's a good good set of wide receivers this year and K J Hamler's definitely amongst them. But definitely a slot in the next at the next level. But good player nonetheless. For my shuttle, I'm gonna stick with the wide receiver group wide receiver group, sorry. And I'm gonna go for Jerry Judy. Now, this is obviously the guy out of Alabama, the wide receiver. He's so elastic, his footwork is incredible as well. I don't think he has too much weight to look around either. He's I don't think he's gonna be, you know, putting too much weight on for the combine. His his game's all predicated around speed and agility and route running. I don't think he wants to be clunky or putting on too much weight. Um but I think he'll have a decent combine all around actually, you know, I think he'll run quite quick. He's said he's gonna run very, very fast. Now these predictions have a tendency to not be as quick as the players saying, but obviously they're getting time. They're doing it every day. They're training for the event from like, you know, weeks out, maybe months out. Uh so yeah Joey Judes Short King. Uh, I think he'll 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 break that event, and I think he'll be the best player in Indy. Um, so yeah, there you go. That's um that's my that's my kind of predictions. I'm not going to encourage you to put any money on these guys, but I think you know Henry Ruggs would be my safest bet if I was. Uh, maybe I could talk to Adam at some point and get his perspective on the betting and and for this event and see how he does. Cause I know he's going to be putting some bets on, obviously as always know he's been mentioning it in the group chat of ours that we've got at the full ten yards. So yeah, well maybe we'll see what he's doing, and what maybe he's come out on top when he's been betting on the combine. But I think that'll do it for me today. Um, you know, you can catch me in a week or so, as I said at the start of the program, uh, for some combine winners and losers. I'll take you through some players who you know, hurt their stock and who help their stock as well. Quick signposting for the social media: uh, you can catch me on Twitter at Wakefield90, and you can give the college football account a follow at Full Ten yards CFB. And that'll do us, you know, keep an eye out, keep your eyes peeled for all the good stuff that we're doing at Full 10 Yards. There's a few more articles that we've got coming up on the college side, so keep your eyes peeled for that. I'll be doing a post combine mock draft as well, personally. And just keep your eyes out for the Full 10 Yards in general. You know, we're doing a lot of good stuff. We've got the, the XFL stuff coming up now. I know a lot of people are getting into that. We're doing some great work out there in terms of writing and podcasting. Uh, So, you know, keep your eyes eyes peeled for all that stuff. We've got some retro stuff going on with Lawrence and obviously the full, you know, 10 yards NFL stuff is always going strong. And again, that'll be kind of doing a bit more crossover. I think we wanted to get Tim back on at some point for our, look at the teams at the start the, uh, start of the draft order that we had to cancel last week for, you know, unforeseen circumstances, unfortunately. Yeah, we'll catch you next time. So see you on the other side, people. Thanks for listening to the podcast. For all your football needs, check out our website, Full10Yards.com, or follow us on Twitter at Full10YardsCFB. And remember, keep those eyes peeled.